Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The setting is the gay scene in 1980s London at the terrible moment that the AIDS epidemic began to reveal itself. I was a young journalist then, and I'll never forget the tragedy of those lost lives. I'm glad the Channel 4 drama series depicting this time, It's a Sin, is a critical and a ratings hit. But there was something that surprised me, and bothered me a little. Just before the series began, its writer, Russell T Davies, revealed that he wanted to only cast gay actors for the gay roles. I would happily defend that position. It's the system I was looking at and just, this is the way I've run this show and it's my job to look for something new. As the finale of the show airs tonight, we speak to two people on either side of the casting desk about what conversations are taking place in the film and theatre world. There is something that a queer actor can bring to a queer role. This is a very, very grey area. There are actors who are out and proud and there are actors who, this is a very private matter for them. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, it's a sin. Should gay roles be reserved for gay actors? For a long time, the movie, theatre and TV industries in the States and over here have been, according to many, too white too male, too straight, too rich. You could add too beautiful, but that's a whole other story. In recent years, there's been a counter-movement. For example, the Oscars So White trending hashtag in 2015 and 2016, when not a single person of colour had been nominated for any of the acting awards. We're going to move on now to that backlash over lack of diversity in this year's Oscar nominations. The Oscars will be handed out tomorrow, marred by growing controversy about a lack of diversity. Lack of diversity in this year's nominee pool, reviving last year's viral hashtag, Oscars so white. But it can be confusing. Two years ago, the Actors' Union Equity called for more casting directors to consider hiring transgender performers to play non-trans roles. Seemingly contradictory to that is Russell T. Davies' recent stance that he only wanted to cast gay actors for gay parts in It's a Sin. Is that equality? Or should acting be acting and one's sexuality, colour, religion or personal experience not come into it? I grew up in Kent, which I then <laughs> told everyone for many years was South East London because it was still on the Oyster Guard boundary. It was still in there. But um, yeah, I grew up in Kent with my mum and my sister. That's Alex Roberts. He's an actor and also gay. 
I then went to university, did English, met all these amazing people who were making theatre, making political theatre. And I was like, wow, I want to do that. I have experiences and things I need to say and want to say. And so started making work and really loved performing and thought well I think that's something I would love to do and had a crack at doing um, some of the drama school auditions which were <laughs> very stressful and very expensive but um, yeah I managed to get in somewhere and then trained for three years and I've been making work ever since. When Muscle T Davis made his comments there was certainly a reaction. Here he is on the ITV daytime chat show, Loose Women. Oh, Russell, I, I just wanted to ask you, because um, you, you recently said that you didn't think that gay roles should be played by straight actors, and it caused a bit of a, an online, uh, online furore, should I say. Were you surprised by that reaction? I Bit of a stir. I only, I mean, I would happily defend that position. I'm sorry if it kind of, I do think this program is about HIV and AIDS and there are experts who work in the field of HIV and AIDS who would die to be on Loose Women in a slot like this. So I'm sorry if that has uh, upstaged it slightly. And also genuinely never meant to upstage actors who play straight actors. It's the system I was looking at and just, this is the way I've run this show. And it's my job to look for something new, to make things in a new way and to try and find new ways to do things. And um, and I'm very, you know, I would really say, come along, look at this show. I think it's got an energy. I think it's got a uniqueness. Maybe it works. Russell T. Davies' words struck a chord with Alex. For him, the chance to bring his experience of his sexuality to a role is vital. I played the lead in a queer drama. It was a story about a relationship between two men. For Alex, back in 2017, standing on stage in front of a live audience at a small theatre tucked away above a pub in North London was a revelatory moment. It meant the most to me because it was the moment that I realised that my queerness had a place in the work that I do. It was a story that is very specific to certain communities and gave me the chance to really take up space in all that my queerness meant. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was even the simple joy of, of kissing a very attractive man on stage in front of a lot of people. <laughs> it was the most liberating and I must say slightly erotic moment of my life. It was absolutely amazing. And it stuck with me in the various situations we've done with it. And it's not just about the story. It was about the places that those characters were in. It was about the communities. It was about the friendships. And that kind of representation meant a lot to me because growing up, I haven't seen a lot of dramas that have made me go, yes, that's me. Yes, I get that. Being seen and being visible for queer people is just such an important thing. Oh, for God's sake. Don't be so stupid. Grizzle, he's doing it again. We're being victimised. You should read this stuff. Oh, for the last time. Get out and take these sudden things with you. Look, I just want to leave him on the bar. I'm not causing trouble. You wouldn't say that shit about straight people. Roscoe, get him out. Come on. So when you heard Russell T Davies saying about his new brilliant drama that he had wanted to cast up the gay parts with gay actors. What did you feel about that? Did you think, yes, or did you think, hmm? The first thing I thought was, it's an amazing opportunity for queer people to act in queer roles. It doesn't always have to be a hard and fast rule for me, but for me, the way I think about it is what a gift to be able to give a role like that to someone who has a lived experience. It's about addressing an imbalance within a particular industry. Um, Russell T Davis is an amazing person, but it's one of those things of kind of going, gosh, I can't think of another prolific gay writer who's making this sort of drama. And... I can't think of a lot of other 
like gay actors who are really welcoming and opening themselves up to those sort of roles. What are you, English and drama? Yeah, first year. Because I did plays at school. I loved it, I was quite good. I thought about doing drama for a while. I'm, I'm Richie, pardon me. And I'm Jill. All those moments that Oli Alexander has in It's a Sin, the sideways glances across the bar, which is so particular to a queer experience. Or it might be a scene where someone's feeling particularly shameful. And the experience of shame, for example, for a queer person is so unique to their experience. And it is something that a, a, a heterosexual person will just never experience in the same way because in all of those tiny microaggressions, you know, in the school ground, in the workplace, wherever it is, they will never have the experience of being told what they are and the way they're moving their bodies and the person they desire is wrong. And so in that way, there is something that a queer actor can bring to a queer role. So in the case of It's a Sin, Alex believes Russell T. Davies was right, and also that such a policy wouldn't always be justified. There are certain types of actors who want that kind of transformative sort of experience to be able to go, I can play straight, I can play gay, I can play able-bodied, disabled-bodied, any kind of gender. That's fantastic to have that dream. But there's also the actors that have that dream that are not able to do so. They don't have the same access to those roles, the same opportunities, because their bodies, their experiences, their gender expression, their race isn't seen as neutral. We've got actors who are wonderful, and I love these actors as well. Don't go on, this isn't a huge attack on these names that I'm going to mention, but like actors like Eddie Redmayne or um, Michael Sheen, you know, those sort of really, or Daniel Day Lewis, these really transformative actors who are lauded for, one, you know, one day he turns up and he looks like this, and one day he turns up and looks like that. That's, that's a wonderful thing. The harsh reality is that that does not go both ways and they're not going to be the same access to the room that's being casted to be able to be seen for those roles because of the way that the industry is structured and the hierarchies that exist in anywhere in any other job or any other industry be it acting music journalism teaching all that all those still hierarchies are exactly the same in the in the acting industry so alex can you take me back to when you first became aware of the fact that I can play anything was not quite something which was going to cover how things actually were. And I gather it with you, it went back to when you were at drama school. One day we'd we'd be an aubergine, and the next day we would be the the you know the colour orange. And I spent <laughs> <laughs> spent I spent ten weeks transforming into being a bat. And I thought one day, one day I'm going to play Batman or something. This is going to come in handy. And we like spent ten weeks. I was hanging upside down on a ladder that I would drag in from Kent every day <laughs> on the commuter train. No, seriously, I would drag this tiny ladder in and um, hang upside down on it. A couple of days before the assessment, my tutor came up to me, and I'd gotten really good at like hanging upside down without my eyes popping out of my head and like without going dizzy and I was like oh my god this is going so well she just came up to me and she said love what you're doing Alex um, it's really great um, I'm just going to give you a note now um, that you know you don't always have to go upside down physically you know you could go upside down in your mind and I was like <laughs> I thought, are you joking me you've seen me struggle for 10 weeks bringing my mum's ladder from her garage in and out of central London <laughs> that thing of going like you can be anything and I was getting you know very excited by that queer roles and queer stories were still really important to me and it was still something I really wanted to do but there were 
parts of my training and and experiences that I had that first made me go, aha, this imbalance is becoming more and more visible to me that certain people are seen as transformative and certain ways of being are seen as transformative as some aren't. So my tutors always be like, you know, oh, you're wonderful. You're the next Mark Rylance. You're going to be able to do this and do this. And um, a director came up to me one day and he said, you just need to, you know, tone it down a bit when you're in the rehearsal room. And I was just like, what What do you mean? And it was like, well, sometimes it might make an impression in a director or a casting director's mind that they might not be able to then wrestle out of. And I was like, oh, OK, that's weird. It seems a bit antiquated, a bit dated. And then I went to a tutor at the time as well. And I said, this is this is really strange. And uh, I also knew that this tutor was gay. And so I was thinking, well, we might be on a level here. And he said, no, that director's right. If you walk into a room and present a certain a certain side of yourself, you know, and the term people often use is flamboyance, which I absolutely hate. I'm just like, oh, okay, you're just saying that I'm really gay then, aren't you? <laughs> and is that a bad thing? And so a certain exuberance, flamboyance, you know, that might stick in people's minds. Are you saying that you were told something that essentially a straight actor would be unlikely to be told? Yeah, correct. And also, you know, I was told this by agents as well. And I went into an agent meeting and again, it was going really well. We were getting on a level and he basically said to me, you're engaging, you're chatty, you're funny, but you come across a bit gay and you need to think about that. And that person also was gay themselves. And I was shocked that, I think that was in 2018, that queer people that were working within the industry who had a similar sexual and gender identity for me were saying, if you fully embrace your queerness, it will impact your career in a negative way. And I think a really interesting moment for that, 2019 at the Oscars. And the Oscar goes to... Rami Rami Malek! Olivia Colman, Mahershala Ali. Listen, we made a film about a gay man, an immigrant. And with Emily and Rachel, the two loveliest women in the world to fall in love with. Just trying to capture his essence. Just trying to capture Dr. Shirley's essence. At the 2019 Academy Awards, Rami Malek, Olivia Colman and Mahershala Ali all picked up gongs for their portrayals of gay and lesbian characters. It was widely viewed as a moment when LGBTQ plus stories were being seen in Hollywood. But for Alex, the fact that all the actors playing the roles were straight was a bit of a letdown. It's not to say that it was wrong. It's not wrong that they should play those roles. And they were wonderful performances. But it's a very interesting litmus test. Say that the Academy Awards are the upper echelons of the acting industry. The fact that those roles were played by straight actors, I think tells you something about the hierarchy of the industry that hasn't maybe changed since 2005 when Brokeback Mountain kind of blew queer romance into mainstream cinema. But I'm pretty sure, apart from the writer of the original short story, there was not a single queer person that worked on that. I can't help reflecting that for a long time, theatre was one of the places where gay men could be successful. Although it wouldn't be known to the wider public, it would be fairly widely known amongst their amongst their peers. What I'm asking is, if it's authenticity that we're after, let's say it's Sally Rooney's normal people. I really wanted you to kiss me last night. Oh. Which is uh, examination of a of a particular love affair. I, I wanted to kiss you as well. I just like, guess. Uh... 
Would you say that a gay guy and a gay woman would have disadvantages in acting terms playing those roles? It's nice for me to hear you say this stuff, but like, at the same time, things haven't worked out well for us in the past. Like, It's a tricky one. I mean, I, again, I think it's Russell T. Davis's view about this authenticity thing. For me, it's always what a gift it could be to have this person, this person, that person. And, you know, I think, yes, I think definitely, regardless of their experience, there is something still there that they'd be able to connect with. And that's an actor's job. Your job is to go, right, okay, I'm playing an alien and I've got seven heads and I can also fart the alphabet. Great. I need to find something to <laughs> latch on to there <laughs> to try and be like, okay, what's my in? What's my in? If an actor is talented enough, they definitely will have an in for something, but it's about a wider context in which that work sits. Something like It's a Sin is speaking to a very particular political moment and context, which is in conversation with the political context that we are in. And I believe what Russell T. Davis is trying to do with It's a Sin is try and highlight stories we haven't seen before, voices we haven't seen before. And in casting actors in those roles, we are seeing a connection with those roles that we've never seen before. Also actors that we may have never seen before as well. And that is a very, very important thing. A tricky issue. To better understand the complex world we live in, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you. 
First things first, Lucinda Sison is my name. I'm a casting director. I have been casting for nearly 28 years. Our casting director is Lucinda Sison, and she's got some serious pedigree. She's cast Snatch, V for Vendetta, Entrapment, and has worked with directors such as Ridley Scott and one of my personal favourites and Italy's legends, Bernardo Bertolucci. I absolutely love it. It has changed incredibly since I started. Potentially, this is the biggest change in casting over the past sort of 25 years. So I just happen to know that you've cast Tom Hardy and yeah. Brad Pitt. Well, <laughs> well, Brad Pitt, somehow I, I've done, I think, four projects now with Brad Pitt. Snatch was wonderful because there you have an American actor who wants to work with Guy and we were trying to work out which roles he could sort of play and there there were two American roles and he wasn't particularly right for either and we ended up so casting Guy was amazing we ended up casting him that's Guy that's Guy Ritchie Ritchie, for the initiated yes no as um uh, as Mickey as the boxer now, there is a problem with pikers or gypsies. What are you doing, Potter? Get out of the way back. Can't really understand much of what is being said. You tell me. Come back to Cadran. Mr. O'Neill. Tell me, Mickey. It's not Irish. It's not English. How are you? Fair enough. It's McCandless for the horses, you know. It's just, well, it's just piker. And it was Guy's idea to speed up his accent so that no one could really understand him, which I think was just genius, really. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes things which necessarily a, a casting director may not see a director wants. And actually, that takes me to the question of what a casting director actually does. In the basic sort of sense of a casting director, they are the person who really creatively read the script, read into the characters and sort of go beyond the superficial, go, go underneath so sort of and people up the story to bring it alive with the vision and the view and the sensitivities of the creative heads like the director. Well, that's really interesting. So you you take a script as a whole and you look at all the characters in it. So you're not just looking at it's simply part by part and the big role. You're actually looking at how these people might interact and then taking into account what you think the director's preferences are likely to be. Absolutely, because there is a central creative hub that will come from the writer, the director... The producer, in a way, because you're also limited by financial restrictions. You've got the context of where you're filming. Do you need to bring actors in? Will you, can you cast locally? From the actor's point of view, are you essentially their gatekeeper? I mean, are you the person they've got to get through and if you lock the gate, they're out? <laughs> I love that. The final decision absolutely lies in the hands of the director in film, along with the producers. Very often we can have a really strong creative preference and there's an extra sort of element that's certainly come in the past, say, five years especially, but sort of heading into ten years, where you're really... You're also paying attention to being inclusive. You're, in a sense, a gatekeeper, but not really with the final, final decisions. Let's talk about that five years and that change to being inclusive what does that actually mean in practice honestly it let's be very straightforward here when i started in fresh most of the directors were were white and male 
you know, it's only really been in the last sort of, again, so ten, five, ten years really, that there's been these great, great, brilliant sort of wave of, of change coming in, which has just pushed directors, producers into another sort of dimension, which has been long overdue. It's, be, it's really, really important for our profession, quite, quite honestly. Casting directors are heading in the right direction and being guided with sensitivities and doing things in a positive way. That's really interesting. What I hear you saying to me is you've seen this wave of social societal change and you've decided to come together as a profession to help that societal change find expression through your casting. Absolutely. From an actor's point of view, it's a different perspective. I think obviously everything has its own perspective, but because actors will obviously say, well, why couldn't I have played that role? From our point of view, we have a very different sort of perspective because we are taking so many things into account that an actor won't won't be aware of. But ultimately, it's so important now to stop the discrimination. It's so important and stop pigeonholing. The point is, they let you go home, so you can't be that bad. I discharged myself. Oh. But they didn't try to stop me, so how infectious is that? All I need to do is keep getting better. They gave me the drugs, and I've got a letter saying it's tuberculosis, so that means I can have four weeks off work. If I can use those four weeks to get better and shake it off, then I'll be fine. So how does Lucinda feel about Russell T Davies' decision to only cast gay actors in gay roles? Um, I think every single project is subjective. And I think that it's great to have these sort of areas of of polemic discussions about about this. I thought it was fantastic. I, I had to binge watch it. Andy Pryor is the casting director, and I think he's phenomenal. And it went straight to my heart. So whatever they did worked. Work it did. It's already Channel 4's most streamed box set. But like me, Lucinda also struggled a bit with this gay actors-only stance. On a general kind of basis, I feel this is a very, very grey area. Because I think there are actors who are out and proud and there are actors who this is a very private matter for them. They don't want who they fall in love with or who they live with or who they have sex with to be a public piece of information. And I think sexuality is a very sensitive area. I mean, Russell T. Davis is gay and writes dialogue and characters with some roots in actually being, you know, written by a gay writer and having those sensitivities. So I think it's a big grey area for me. I think the wave of change, I support in every single way. I also think, it's, I don't want to go discriminating again, saying, no, you cannot play that role because you're not gay. Difficult. Yes, because presumably, by the same token, some people might think, well, if you're a gay man, you can't have had the experience of a heterosexual man in love, and therefore you can't play the heterosexual part. Are there some actors who are 
best cast in things which are adjacent to their experience and some actors who are best cast in things which transcend their experience? In other words, is that one of the factors, facets of actors that you may be looking for in casting? I know that a lot of my casting comes from my, my gut. It's a feeling, it's a sense, it's, a, it's an instinct. It's funny, a question that comes up a lot is how old are they? How old is this person? How, you know, and as soon as that information is introduced, it changes, it, it can change a perspective. And I think this is the same a little bit with sexuality in the sense of we really need someone who has first-hand experience. Or, or do we? I mean, a lot of actors would argue that they've played roles that, that transcend their own experience. For Lucinda, a good example of this is Rachel Weiss's portrayal of Blanche Dubois in the Tennessee Williams classic play A Streetcar Named Desire. Weiss won many accolades for her stage portrayal of the troubled Southern Belle. People like Rachel Weiss have sort of said, look, I may have played Blanche, but I am not an alcoholic and I'm not interested in sleeping with teenage boys. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> so this is, and, it's, and that sort of goes on and on. Fantastic actors transcend. Ultimately, for me, what I really want personally and professionally is to really help support movement away from discrimination. And by saying, you know, to myself, I'm not going to cast a straight person as a gay person, it really, I feel just honestly that I enter that path of discrimination again. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guests, actor Alex Roberts and casting director Lucinda Sison. The producer was Will Rowe, the executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Carla Patella. And if you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or thoughts on what you've just heard, you can send us an email by writing to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.